This week on Gym Ops Radio, Dave and Brian take a deep dive into the numbers of three major data points that are potential problem areas needing a fix. They walk you through their own numbers, how to diagnose the issue, as well as how to formulate a strategy and find a solution. Welcome to episode 52. This is Gym Ops Hey guys, welcome back to Gym Ops Radio. My name is Brian Pritz. I'm here with Dave Thomas. Uh, today we are on episode 52 titled, Uh-oh, What to Do When You Don't Like Your Numbers. Uh, so this is uh, something that we are working on because there are a few numbers that we are not super excited about uh, right now. Um, and so we'll kind of dive into some of those issues that we're working through and kind of how we're uh, going about fixing them. Yeah, um, you know, it's. I think this will be kind of a... a cool episode to do you know um I, I feel like most of the last like 10 episodes we've done are they're not really like so much about our gym specifically um we've really kind of taken a more of a broad approach on this podcast over this year as far as just like zooming out and talking about common issues common numbers things that relate to all gyms and i think some of these numbers might certainly be relatable to other gyms but this is one where we're kind of like really zooming in uh, and sharing a lot of things about our operation that maybe some some gyms can relate to that are a bit more specific to just like, you know, while we think things are going well and we're very happy with where the gym is, all things considered, you know, we're as we kind of talked last episode, like we're exiting out of that like COVID crisis mode and now we've kind of transitioned into like COVID, post-COVID operation mode where everything is like a bit more real and you have to make some operational decisions um, and so we're starting to see some numbers settle. And while many of the numbers are really good, there's a couple that obviously are not. And so that's kind of the focus is uh, what to do when certain numbers, certain important numbers are not where you need them and how to fix them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, some of these, it, for me, it's it's always frustrating whenever I do research on other gyms just to like, compare our numbers and see if there's stuff that we're like blatantly missing. It seems like nobody out there really likes to give information on how they're actually doing um and that's totally understandable like you know i guess we have a reason to with this podcast and trying to help gyms out but uh the majority of gyms probably want to keep those pretty private um but it's frustrating when you're trying to like you know just take a zoomed out approach and analyze your numbers comparative to the industry so hopefully um us giving out some of these numbers how we're doing uh can help other people um, evaluate, you know, their model and, and kind of what, where it compares to ours. Yeah. I listen to, uh, a decent amount of podcasts and, you know, follow a few websites pretty closely that share a lot of experiences and like advice from gym owners and they'll have guests, gym owner guests on who will talk about like one metric. That's like really, really good. Like I listened to a podcast the other day where they had a uh, guest on, he talked about how his average client value was $330 and like, that's amazing. But it's like, do you have 10 members or like, do you have 150? Right. So it's like, I, I hate when places just isolate data points like that when there's no context of whether or not that's actually like profitable or sustainable. Um, so I know like today we'll obviously share some of our margins or excuse me, some of our numbers. Um, some of it will be obviously a little bit private, but the goal is to like really deconceptualize them and actually put some like strategies in place behind some actual numbers so, so folks can kind of better make sense of things. With that 300 and something dollars average member value, is that per month? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying like average lifetime value of a member. <laughs> I was like, yeah. man, they, they must be doing terrible. <laughs> no, but it's, it's like, oh, it's a, you know, I listen to it all the time and I'm just like, tell me, like, I almost feel like you should have to pre-qualify if you're giving somebody advice, like this is what our gym does. So yeah. like, yeah, because I, I just often a little bit of a tangent, but I just think it's dangerous to isolate certain data points, promote them as what you should shoot for without any proper discussion of profitability that goes into that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, 
we're, we're, we, I would consider us a, a fairly successful gym. And even as a fairly successful gym, um, you know, we have numbers that, uh, you know, from time to time pop up that we're not happy with and, and need to be addressed. And, um, you know, the first one that we'll talk about today is, is our churn percentage. Um, so that's the percentage of people that leave the gym, uh, on a monthly basis. And so, I think for the last 10 years or so, you know, we've kind of averaged uh, somewhere under 5%. Um, and that obvi obviously fluctuates month to month, year to year, uh, different things going on, um, different things that we're placing emphasis on. But the uh, the average is, is, you know, around 5 or just under 5% for over the 10 years. Um, and right now we're looking at uh, just over 6 So I think it's roughly like 6.2 to 6.7 over the last few months. Um, and that is obviously with a big caveat that coronavirus is going on. Um, so a lot of our episodes have been talking about coronavirus and kind of what it's done to our business and, and kind of strategies around that. Um, but one of the negative things is it's obviously caused more people to cancel on a consistent basis. Um, and so part of our analysis on this is, you know, is that due to coronavirus itself and there's not much that we can do about it? Or is there possibly something broken in the chain along the, the experience route? Um, and, and that's something that we're diving into pretty deeply right now. Yeah, and just to quickly kind of unpack that, so, you know, just so everybody's clear, because I've heard it referenced both ways. So, you know, you mentioned 10-year average is just under about 5%, so like 4.8% churn is what we've averaged as a company. So let's just, we'll round that up and call that 5%. So if a gym has 300 members, that would mean that 5% of them are going to cancel every single month. So 5% of 300 is 15 members. So that would say you would lose 15 members every month if your churn is quote 5%. Correct. And so obviously you need to replace those 15 members, which gets into the whole discussion on your model. Um, but to give that into context with our gym, so let's say that we are that 300 person gym, you know, we, we've gone from about 15 cancels to, you know, 20 to 22 cancels a month, if it were to be kind of extrapolated into those figures. So it might not seem like a lot, but you know, that, that adds up and that's significant. And we're very fortunate to where demand is extremely high for our gym right now. Um, so we're able to replace these folks that cancel, but I think we we have both observed that we're not in love with the current approach. It feels like we're headed down the road of just like churn and burn. We got to add a lot of members to to replace the members that have lost, and it's really forced us to kind of like really zoom out and figure out you know how can we fix this. And you obviously mentioned the different ways in which we're looking at it, and you know j just to your point, I do you know. I think it's very obvious that the market has not quite settled as far as, you know, people are still just really dipping their toe in. They're not quite sure what they want. I know there's some folks that like, you know, they have a home gym set up and they also belong to a gym. So like they do a little bit of both and they're just not sure whether or not they, which world they want to commit to fully. Um, I, so I think there's just a lot of evaluation that is still going on and we're getting a lot of people who are part of that who will evaluate us and choose not to stay and luckily we have a ton of people who choose to stay but it's just this weird transition area that we've never kind of quite been with churn yeah it's crazy i mean a, a email i got this morning is is a very perfect example and while it's one person um, i think it does kind of paint the picture of a lot of what's going on this person was a former member they're a member for uh, quite a while previously, and uh, they reached out interested in joining. And I had a conversation with Lenny because he was like, hey, I saw this person on the list. Like, they were a member. Like, why are they coming back to, like, check out a class again? And the whole discussion was kind of based along, well, she was a former mev member, loved it, but wants to come back and scope out what the new COVID setup looks like. Mm -hmm. And so this is somebody that, you know, knew the gym, knew the brand, was into it, um, at some point left and now is coming back, but like still isn't sure. So even though they know they love the gym and the training, like they're still not even sure if they're wanting to come back. They want to come test the water, see what, you know, our COVID operation is like. And I think that that's kind of where a lot of people stand in kind of the general market sentiment. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I also, I think from a gym owner perspective, that's so hard to evaluate because it's easy to think, okay, people are looking for, so like take our example or take our setup, for example, you know, we have individual zones, pretty much what every gym is doing. Um, and so, you know, we'll just call that, call that the zone model where we have like 15 to 19 in a class. Everything is spaced out. You get your own X, Y, and Z, own squat rack, all that. So, you know, let's say that we perceive that as like a really big selling point and like a really strong reason why someone would join the gym. Like, not everybody's going to see it that way. They might be looking for something totally different in a group experience. They might be like, I'm over this. I want to go back to something that's like more of like how things used to be. Right. And so it's like, I think it just because, you know, the, the danger in evaluating the churn and it's why like we're taking such a deliberate approach before we make any decisions is because we obviously have where we want to go as a brand. You know, we're not letting, you know, we're not letting people influence that because we believe it to be successful and we believe it to be safe and the right thing to do and all that stuff. However, we're probably going to land in some sort of, some sort of like not compromise, but some sort of like middle ground between like what the market wants and what we're going, you know, what we believe in strongly as a brand. Does does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like, you have all these people who are just checking it out and you're set up, is going to appeal to a lot of them, but it might not appeal to all of them. So it's like, when I look at the churn, I look at the cancellations and it's like, you know, uh, I saw one this month where it was a member who was like not getting results. Um, it was like not enough lifting and she'd been a member for one month. Yep. Um, mixed programming with like half the things outside, half the things inside. Absolutely not our ideal programming, but it's our purple tier mandate, what we're doing to make this work. And it's just like you get those filled with you within your cancellations and it's easy to just all of a sudden be like, oh shit, we have a problem. Where it's like I put that on, we don't have a problem. We simply attracted the wrong kind of person for what we're trying to do. And certainly there's issues with cancellations where we do have a problem and we do need to fix things. But the fine line that I think places need to walk is like, what are you going to let people influence you with and what are you not? And so it's like, yeah, our churn has been pretty high since COVID started. Um, but we, like I said before, we've been able to replace it with growth. So it's like, we're just trying to be very deliberate before we make any decisions as to like, quote, what's causing the churn. Right. You know, with that kind of equation that you mapped out earlier where, you know, let's just say a gym with 300 members loses 15 a month and then all of a sudden they're losing, you know, 20, 22 a month if that churn goes up, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about, you know, let's just call the average membership price 150 bucks, you know, then you're talking about, uh, what is that, like two grand or something per month out the door that you're losing in cancellations. So you do need to make that up. And so, you know, one of the things that we're kind of discussing right now is let's just say those those members are leaving. Uh, we recently raised prices for new members. So we're getting our new membership number coming in at a higher price. So one of the questions that we're asking is, are we okay with that higher churn and those people on lower prices kind of letting themselves out and, you know, not needing to do too much about it because as we replace those members in the cycle of life, like we're getting a higher average membership value and losing a lower membership value client. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that we're evaluating right now. You know, I looked at the joins to cancels sheet earlier and it was like every single member that left was on a lower membership than people that came in. And so when you look at that, I'm personally okay with a higher turn um, because kind of what we talked about is, um, you know, creating a, a better experience for people and lowering that total membership at the gym, but just at a higher price. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes easier to service. Um, you know, we'll get into this later, but wait lists for classes won't be as long, um, and ultimately provide a better experience and keep the revenue number the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think the key is, is, um, you know, you, you said it very well with, that's why we're kind of okay with the higher churn and, you know, you know, obviously we're not okay with it, but it's like, it's not, it's not a massive priority right now because we know that the current strategy is to, 
you know, exactly like you said, new memberships are going to be at a higher value than old memberships. So it's not quite as cut and dry as like you need exactly the amount of people who left to be replaced the next month. Right. So it's why we're just taking like the step back and evaluating, you know, what is the churn number that we need to be successful on an ongoing basis to be sustainable. And so we know it's not going to look like it did pre-COVID. We also know it's not going to be as high as it is now. So it's like, where does that settle? And, you know, you and I have kind of decided that we don't really want to make any major decisions with the gym model, with the gym strategy until we really see how that settles and like how long people are going to stick around and what people actually want out of a gym for a lot of different factors. Right. And, you know, me and you, we, we definitely have some different opinions on pricing and, you know, the way to grow and stuff like that. But I think we both can agree that, um, you know, the typical person might look at um, the numbers and saying, okay, we're, we're losing more than we're bringing in right now. So the fix on that would be let's lower membership prices and increase that number of people through the door. And I think that we both can agree that that would be a terrible decision. Um, you know, anytime that you're dropping membership prices to increase the number of people through the door, I think that's almost like a little bit of a Band-Aid to try and fix maybe an internal issue as to why people are leaving or not staying as long in their membership. Yeah, exactly. I, yes, we both a hundred percent agree on that. That's like, you know, filling, it's like a bucket that's leaking water and you're trying to fix it by putting in more water. Right. It's like fix the gap on why people are leaving, not just adding in something that's not holding what you're adding into it. And, you know, we talk a lot about different kinds of models. Are you kind of more volume based or are you much higher price, less volume based? Um, and you know, we've we've said before, we're kind of on the, we're kind of on the volume based approach. The average price to join on our site right now is about $150. Um, and so it's just, uh, even in that approach, you always want to be figuring out a way to have less people paying more money. That's just always the goal in anything. (laughs) It's always the goal (laughs) in anything. So whether or not that's like $5, whether or not that's $50, you know, that's kind of what we're ultimately, it's what we're kind of ultimately looking at hoping that we can do as we get this churn to settle. And, you know, it, it kind of segues into the next point. I don't want to be premature with talking about the wait list, but, um, you know, wh- while a lot of this stuff is a little bit out of our control as far as churn and the market settling, you know, there are some things that we are kind of doing that we are hoping will impact it just on a completely organic nature. Um, so why don't you just talk a little bit about, uh, you know, kind of those three things that we're doing to help to help with churn. Yeah, before we get into that, I want to address that point that um, the goal is to get as few people paying as much as possible. So I think our general gym advice would be to get one person paying you $100,000 <laughs> There's pe- a month. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah just, just get that billionaire client. Get, get, get Gary Vaynerchuk to, train, to be trained by you. Yeah, right. Um, Anyway, so what we are doing, so, you know, we're still waiting to see what these numbers really mean, but um, proactively, we're trying to jump ahead of it, and the first thing that we did was we hired a director of member experience. So um, this person is solely responsible for any new member that comes into the gym and joins. uh, They're kind of handed off to this person to um, almost be like their, their new member coach. Uh, along the way so they can answer questions they can uh, meet with current members and we do a an initial body fat scan um, talk about their goals all that stuff and so our immediate goal with the new member is to get them to schedule an appointment with this new member uh, director of new member experience so that they can have like just a person to talk to to answer questions to you know figure out their goals, how to structure their training week, all that stuff. So it's just a dedicated person that's there to help a new member. Yeah, it's almost like a concierge, like a, a hotel. Yeah. Um, just somebody who is doesn't really impact their coming to class experience. You know, that's still owned by the coach, but just that person who is there to assist them through the whole entire process and yep. to make sure that, you know, every every gym owner knows those first 90 days are critical. So it's basically just locking that in into that positive relationship within those first 90 days. And we feel like if we can get that squared away, the chances that they will churn out are much 
uh, are much lower. Exactly. Uh, the second thing that we're doing is we started offering more services. So um, we've talked a little bit more about this in, in previous episodes, but um, you know we're expanding our service offerings before we were all just classes, classes, classes. Um, and now we're implementing some things that people are interested in that we've never really addressed, such as nutrition, um, such as skill-based, um, you know, skill-based seminar type things. Um, you know, we're talking about a host of other things that we're going to be implementing, uh, personal training, um, you know, all kinds of things that will allow people who may not be getting everything that they need out of just the classes, allow them to get that extra help with something that they do need or are interested in. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, providing more solutions for people rather than just hoping that the one solution that we have is a fix all, um, almost providing like specialized help for people that, that, that want it and that need it. Yep. Um, and then the third thing is the price examination. So, um, I think this is maybe the third episode in a row that we have brought this up and discussed it. Um, and it's not as simple as just changing your price and moving on. It's a constant evaluation. So as we raised prices, um, I don't even remember when that was. Um, but as we raise prices, we analyze those numbers and continue to optimize those prices and make decisions based on how the numbers are coming in from that initial price increase. Yeah, so kind of a three-pronged approach. Hired a director of member experience to just make sure that the people who are joining, um, they do not get lost in the shuffle and really just kind of fixing the experience as soon as they walk in the door. Um, you know, there's nothing that we've identified as like, this is broken in the first 90 days. So there, I don't think there's any expectation for like what she's going to be able to quote fix, but we want someone for kind of like the first time to be able to tell us what is broken and where, where, where folks are falling off so that then she can go and fix and address that. Um, so it's really just kind of an investment into that whole process. Yeah. That just that popped into my head that saying like, if it ain't broke, broke, don't fix it. Like, I hate that so much. It's, <laughs> it's so stupid on so many levels. Um, I won't get into that, but just wanted to drop that in. I agree. It's just like, um, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. And until somebody can go in and actually be hands-on with our new members, they're probably going to tell us a whole different story that we as gym owners are completely removed from and, and have really no idea. And probably our coaches don't either because a lot of these folks are very quiet in their first 90 days. And um, there may be some things that we really learned that we just had absolutely no idea. I, I hope that there are. I expect that there are. Right. Um, it's kind of the reason for the position. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just to recap, offering those enhanced services. So we all know nutrition is what drives results. Um, we have not provided it for an embarrassingly long amount of time. <laughs> um, and now that we have it, we're growing it. We've talked about this before. No need to dive into it. And then the price examination, the ongoing thing that you mentioned. So that's, that's the big one for us. And, you know, we, we take it very seriously. Um, I know the common advice is, uh, increase prices. Like our demand right now is, is pretty nuts. And it takes us into the second, um, number that we don't like, which is our wait list. So this is an issue that we have. There's no doubt about it. Um, it, it certainly falls under good problem to have, uh, but I don't like any problems. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I don't consider any problems good. Um, so it's hard for me to wrap my mind around looking at the class schedule and seeing anywhere from 15 to 30 people a day not be able to get into a class. Yeah, and I want to clarify wait list is current members trying to get into current classes on the schedule. Thank you. Uh, so right now it's like, you know, you get, you'll log into our prime classes, you know, those 4.30, 5.30 evening classes, and there'll be, you know, 16, 17, whatever the class cap is per location, that'll be full. And then there'll be a full wait list of about eight people in some of these classes. And so a lot of that is, a lot of that is false. So a lot of that is kind of panic at where people are at right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, they're trying to sign up so early and get into a spot and it's, it's being inflated a little bit. However, when looking at the dust settles, there are about 15 to 30 in a given day who just straight up are not getting into a class. And so that's a problem. There's, you know, there's a very big difference between something that has scarcity and that something that is, you know, forcing people to keep top of mind. And then there's something that is very, very stressful for people and becomes an experience that they don't want to do. Right. Um, and so that's just kind of what we're looking at. 
Yeah, it's like I know that you check the schedule constantly. Um, I do too, and like, it's one of those things. It's like I know what I'm gonna see when I open it, and so I still open it just to still see, like, in the hope that there might not be a full wait list at primetime classes. Um, but it is one of those things. It is, it is a massive problem, and you, like you said, it's inflated because a lot of people just know that classes are busy, so they might put their name on like two or three different class wait lists, um, you know, hoping they get into one. And then once the, the shuffle of the day happens and those, you know, people cancel out of a class and they get dropped in, then it's all of a sudden like they cancel their other wait list spots and then the schedule opens up. Um, but like, that's not a position that I want to be in where people have to think about doing that. Um, and so that's obviously just a, a major issue that, that we're working on right now. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like two parts. We're looking at it two parts and how we can fix it. Um, you know, we're really trying to optimize that class size and kind of strike the balance between how many people we can get into class and what an appropriate amount to charge for people to, to come to the gym is. And so, you know, we've talked about our class caps before and, um, you know, we're in the process of trying to add one to two more, um, roster spots in each class at each of our locations. We feel that we can do that safely and not jeopardize the current service and keep the, the current model exactly the same and keep all those benefits. Um, and then also seeing like how that affects prices. Does it give us the ability to, um, you know, does it give us the ability to a raise prices if we need to? And also just as importantly, does it give us the ability to not have to raise prices? Right. So it's like maybe, you know, we we don't want to raise prices. We do like our model, but the issue right now is just this crazy amount of demand that's happening. And so one of the things that we might have to do to fix it is raise prices and get that natural attrition of um, you know having the membership be updated. And maybe it's less people in the gym because unfortunately some get priced out, but if that has to be done to preserve the experience, then that's something that obviously like we are considering and that we are looking at. Um, so we're hoping it doesn't come to that, but it's at the end of the day, if we cannot fulfill, if the supply cannot meet the demand, then it just becomes a question of, of what do we do with this whole situation? Yeah. I mean, that member experience is very important. And if, you know, raising current members prices by, you know, whatever, five, $10 creates a better experience for those people, like, Yes, some people might leave, but at the same time, those people uh, who are willing to pay more money in a in the right scenario should be happier because they have um, you know their classes that they can get into easily and their experience becomes better, so it's worth it to them. Yeah, and it's like you know anything that we are going to do right now, and, and I, I believe gyms can relate to this is it's going to have an impact and it's going to carry some risk to our model. So it, it's why, you know, quite candidly, we, we are having a difficult time with quote question of like, what do we do about this situation? Because you just mentioned it, you know, easy, easy solution. Any consultant would come in and look at our situation and say, this is easy. Raise prices, you fix the wait list and you get the right amount of supply versus demand. However, that does not factor in to the potential risk of what if, you know, what if you raise prices and all of a sudden you get so much churn and attrition that that, 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 that just completely backfires. Right. And, you know, we've never raised prices on people. So we've done it this year in a, in a controlled capacity. And it's just not something that it's not something that we're 100% convinced at this point in time is needed to alleviate the waitlist situation. Right. And before we pass that cost on to our members, we want to make damn sure that it is absolutely the right move for their experience. Right. And so we're kind of willing to put up with, you know, the handful of complaints that come in each day about not getting into classes, you know, I, I would love to just have an easy solution for it. Um, but until we really know how like adding these extra spots and classes go, you know, we're still in a little bit of that. Everybody's happy to be in a gym. So they're just coming nonstop mode until we really see how that settles. We want to make a very calculated decision before we make, um, you know, a decision that that hat, that, that has that big of a potential impact. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on the waitlist stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's, um, I would say that's our number one, like, keep an eye on and constantly be looking at ways to increase that experience from the waitlist. I think that's like our, our number one thing that we're just constantly looking at. And I would love somebody to just email us in and give us a great idea on how to fix that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, trust me, I've, that's something that I pay a a decent amount of attention to. And, um, you know, we talk about decision-making and making it objective, making it based on the numbers, based on the data. And I absolutely agree with that. Um, and also having just like a sprinkle of subjective into that, like, how does, how does this feel? What is the general feeling around that opinion? And, I think to make a decision that's really big, such as pricing to current folks, uh, I, I, I personally feel a decision like that, it really needs to check both boxes. And so right now, the objective box is checked like a hundred times. It's mm-hmm. like wearing through the paper. It's been checked. Everything yep. about the data is screaming to fix this by raising the prices. But it has not quite checked that box for our ownership team subjectively. We haven't quite yet just felt that it is the right move to do that. And I just really think that there's some decisions you make in the gym, it's all data. 100% does not matter. Class times, um, things like that, to where it's like very, very cut and dry. Mm -hmm. But something that has the potential to really alter the kind of makeup of your culture and makeup of the membership and um, not to mention the the possibility of financial loss. I just – this is one of those instances where it's like you and I would rather make a decision a little bit too late than a little bit too soon. Mm-hmm. And for usually sure. we're kind of the other way on that. Uh, but for something like this, that's just – that's how we're handling it. And each gym would handle that situation whatever suits their personal vision for the gym. But that's just kind of where you and I have landed on this. Yeah, I mean, there's been a few times, I think, where we've just about settled on, okay, this is happening on this date, and then it's like, well, like, are we sure that's the right move? And, right. you know, if if you have to question it, then I don't think that there's a real issue with just waiting a little bit longer, and maybe at that point you might get that full-on instinct, like, this is the right way to go, or maybe you get that instinct the other way that says, you know, this needs to wait longer. Um, but if, if we're questioning it that much, um, at a certain time period based on what's going on, I, I don't think there's any issues with just waiting and kind of holding on for a little bit longer. Agreed. Agreed. Um, at least that's, that's the strategy we have now. And I'm sure we'll be updating, uh, listeners on the show as that kind of unfolds. Yep. Uh, so we've been through two numbers that we don't love right now. Uh, first up is our churn and how we've addressed that folks canceling at a little bit higher rate. And second is the class wait list. So um, our inability to have everybody be able to come to the gym in their ideal spot every single day. And I think those two things are a bit related. You know, the fact that some folks can't get in as much as they once did, there's no question that that's leading to an increased churn. So those two items I think will kind of sort, you know, if one gets fixed, I do believe that the other will get fixed. Yep. And that's kind of the, the room for optimism on that. Um, but the third and the final point on this one are is profit margin. So just taking like the big look at the gym and what are your margins like? You know, we've talked before that um, every gym should strive to be at 30% or greater. That typically indicates a really, really uh, healthy business long term for everybody that's involved in it. Um, and that's certainly our litmus test for how do we feel about the gym right now. Anytime that we dip below 30% in a month, we really take like a, okay, like what's going on? We need to take a hard look at this. Um, and any time that we're well above that, we just feel really confident about what's going on and um, where the gym is kind of headed. And so just to give folks a little bit of context, we have, you know, kind of two, uh, it's kind of like BC and AD. We have like two time periods right now. Um, there's the time periods, which was basically like the summer of two, of 2019 leading up to spring of 2020 when COVID hit. That's kind of like our pre-COVID. And then we have post-COVID, everything since gyms were able to open in a limited capacity last June. Um, and so we've seen, you know, we've seen very different 
pro we've seen very different profit margins in both of those areas. Um, and so we'll kind of talk a little bit about like what was going on in each of those timeframes and why the margins were so different. So um, why don't you kick it off a little bit about just that pre-COVID time area? Yeah, I think at that time we were, you know, roughly 18 to 20% profit margins. Um, you know, the gym felt very healthy at that time. It wasn't like, you know, we weren't doing well, um, but we were carrying a lot more expenses than we should have. Um, I will continue to say that COVID has been one of the best things for our gym because it has really made us analyze the business on a much deeper level. And in that time period, pre-COVID, um, you know, end of 2019, 2020, um, when you look back at that, we weren't doing that well. Um, you know, we might have let things get a little bit away from us and, and thought, oh, you know, we're doing great, this is fine. Um, but when you look back at those numbers, you think, okay, maybe maybe things weren't as great as we thought. Um, and once COVID hit, it really forced us to kind of buckle down, make some necessary changes that we needed to. And that allowed us to get that profit margin back to, um, you know, back to where it should be. Yeah, you, you said a few really good things there in that, you know, our expenses were higher than they should have been. And I think so often it's easy to look at your profit margins and think, I need to fix this or improve it by more revenue through the door. Mm -hmm. The good thing about profit margins is they also factor in expenses. So an easy way to get your profit margins up is to analyze your expenses. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that really, really helped us post-COVID. You know, you mentioned we were at about 18 to 20% now. That was an anomaly for the course of our business. We've been above 30% pretty much since 2014. And then in those eight months or so, we were definitely on a decline. And honestly, you and I have never really quite been able to figure out why that was. Mm -hmm. We tested a lot of different things. We tested different programming. Um, we tested tons of different things about our process, our communication, and there's no, there's really no certainty what would have happened if COVID didn't force us to really take a hard look at things like you said. And we talked a lot about that last episode, which is why we are thankful for the ability to have to go through this stress over the last year because it's forced us to refine a lot of different things. But we did drop to the, about the 18 to 20% with the profit margins. And then ever since post COVID, we are back up to where we've wanted to be. And so a lot of that has to do with just how are you spending money? Um, are, are you spending things in the most efficient area? Like, for example, right now, um, our expenses are, they're pretty, they're pretty high. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, what is, what do we absolutely need in the gym versus what do we not need? And obviously we need a ton of classes right now. So our, our payroll expenses are, are pretty high. Um, but we're just trying to figure out how to kind of get a handle on some of the expenses to, to alleviate that pressure of constantly needing kind of so many people through the door. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, while it might not, while it might not be the first thing to look at is your expenses. It is the easiest to optimize in my opinion. I, th you know, it, I, I usually go through the expenses every like six months or so. And it's just like always immediate. It's, immediately it's like why are we paying for this why are we paying for this like mm -hmm. you know is this is there a better version of this out there um and so just doing that like you can immediately save x amount of dollars per month on stuff that's just incredibly useless to the overall um business model and like purpose of your business yeah and it's amazing just how much those things add up as well like you think you can rationalize like oh this is only 50 dollars, or hey should we add another um another X, Y, and Z, that's only going to cost us like $150 a month. And pretty soon that can add up to 500. It can add up to a thousand, 2000, if you have a few locations. And then all of a sudden you're really making an impact into those profit margins because you've just kind of like let things slip or maybe not paid quite as much attention or, you know, these don't even have to be like completely useless things. Maybe they're just not absolutely critical things. So it's just making that determination of like, what do we really need right now versus what do we not? And I think when every gym went into COVID mode, it was like complete elimination of what is not 
absolutely vital and necessary. Right. And as folks kind of get reacclimated to this world, I hate to say post-COVID because like we're still in the absolute <laughs> thing, but I think folks can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, is like you know you you can't you're not going to be able to operate with this kind of bare minimum mentality. So certain things you're going to have to start to spend money on again, or you're going to have to start to spend more money on, and just really analyzing like what what is that going to do to our margins four, five, six months down the road. Right. You know you might love how your numbers look right now, but do you have any expenses that might be coming back? Um, or on the flip side, do you have any expenses that might be coming down? You know we've talked about how. Our payroll is gigantic because we run so many classes to the limited class size. So it's like we, we kind of know that – I don't want to say like we have that in our back pocket, but payroll, it can't get any higher. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it can, I would love to see how because you know we just hired a bunch of new positions, which we're stoked about. We're running classes damn near every hour of the day at two locations. Um, so we are truly capped out on the payroll, and, and we are still fortunate enough to be at 30 to 35% on our profit margins. So, um, you know, the takeaway for us is like, we keep an eye on those margins. We definitely are not, we're not slaves to them, but we know that they tell us the truth about what's going on. So anytime that those margins dip into the twenties, that's when we know, okay, what are we doing wrong? Where are we not making enough revenue or where are we spending too much? Because our gym needs to operate at a very, very specific level. We have a ton of jobs, ton of full-time jobs, partners, three locations. So we cannot, we, we cannot operate in the twenties for any longer than is the absolute bare minimum on that. So that's why this number kind of becomes really important to us. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned something about revenue and I think most people, that's the first number they jump to is like, how, how can we increase revenue or, oh, our revenue has gone up every month. Like, this is great. We're growing, we're killing it. Um, strictly look at that revenue number, but then they kind of lose sight of what the actual profit is on that revenue number. And that's where honestly the success of your business lies because you can, you know, you can do $2 million in revenue in a year. And if you're spending, you know, 1.95 1.95 mil in expenses, like that's a terrible gym. So I think most people get so obsessed with that revenue number that they forget to kind of look back and say, is this an optimized model for the revenue that I'm making? 100%. And I know that like, we, I've been super guilty of that over 10 years of just like tunnel vision into like growth, 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 like only looking at the things that are the green and the drive revenue and not treating the stuff in the red that, that pulls from that revenue, like just as important as the money in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, it, it's like any person in balancing their own finances. If you're spending money as, as fast as you get it, then you're never going to save anything and you're never going to actually advance your position. So, you know, a good example of that is OB Gym, right? OB took a huge hit in the pandemic. We lost more members there than any of our three locations. And we've started to really, really rebuild OB over the past four or five months. And we're starting to get back almost to uh, pre-COVID revenue in Ocean Beach. And we're nowhere near pre-COVID profitability. Mm-hmm. Because while the revenue is coming back, the expenses are much higher. And so each gym is kind of unique to their own expenses. I, I won't kind of bore folks with the difference between the three. Uh, but one of the things we're looking at in OB because it, it shined such a light on it is, okay, wow, like these increased expenses that we have every month, they really do make quite a dent into what was once what we knew about operating the gym. Yeah. And so, yes, we fixed, quote, revenue in OB, but we haven't fixed expenses. Right. And so that forces us to take just a really broad look at things of what can we do to get ourselves back to where we were in that previous model, at least of profitability. Right. And that's kind of where we'll be able to determine, like, are we, quote, back or not? Or are we just increasing our revenue without addressing all the expenses that have increased with the pandemic? Yeah, well said. So, and I, I don't think anybody really, really knows yet. There's, you know, all you can really do is just look at what's happening, look at your numbers, um, try to make the best determination that you can. Um, you know, I, I think we both really like where we are as far as the overall picture of the gym and picture of the business. But um, this is all still a first time for every single person involved. Customers going to gyms, 
uh, gym owners running them, coaches coaching it. Like nobody has any experience in this. So um, it just kind of ties together that, that second point we were talking about our prices of like, we're really trying to just be as deliberate as we can before we make any decisions because we just we have seen that over the course of this pandemic, one month can look amazing, the next month can look awful, and there's still this peak and valley type of dynamic with the market that until you know where where everything settles, I just I think it would be a, a bit foolish to make any sort of um, concrete determinations about how you're going to operate moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I keep kind of snapping back to the fact that it's like. Holy cow, we are still in what California calls, we're in the purple tier, right? Yeah. Is that what color it is? By the way, the, their color system's ass backwards. Yeah. Um, it's red like, should be the worst. It's not. Yeah, red tier is like the better tier. Yeah. Um, yeah, like stoplights, people, red, green, yellow. <laughs> Very common to everybody. Um, but anyway. We're going to be in the magenta tier. <laughs> but yeah, I still like, I, I kind of snap out of it and I'm, I'm, always brought back to the fact that we're still in the purple tier, which is bad. And, you know, there's still ways to go to get to where we can like, you know, legally fully function as we were previously. And so we're still navigating all these different lanes and things that we're trying to improve or, you know, decipher what's going on. And we're not even back in that normal tier yet. So it's just like, this is going to be a long process. It is not just a, you know, switches back on, back to normal, things are good to go. It's just, it's going to be, you know, for the next year, it's going to be a considerable amount of work getting back to what we would call normal. That's just such a good point. And it's easy for you and I to get lost in that, but it's like, I often forget to remind our listeners about our setup. And it's like, we're 50% on the sidewalk right now. Yeah. I know a lot of gyms in the country are not dealing with that. And so it's like, that's why it's just a little bit hard and taking it back to the first point with the churn. It's why it's a little hard to take it. I don't want to say take it seriously because you and I take that very seriously, but it's why it's hard to really like invest into a lot of the stuff that pops up in the reasons why folks are canceling right now. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, we, we know that our best, you know, the best version of P360 is not being, is not being delivered right now. It's the version that is effective that is not optimal, that it's been great to be able to do in this crisis mode, but we're certainly not expecting to operate like we currently are moving forward or long term. So it's like it takes this level of discipline to to see the feedback, to see what can be improved without just yanking the steering wheel in the opposite direction and just totally overreacting because you know there's a certain degree of like, we're going to have to deal with elevated opinions, with louder opinions, with more diverse opinions that we're, we're going to take on a macro level, but really not try to over course correct because we just know that it's a shit show right now, for lack of a better term. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with everything we've talked about on evaluating it without making any knee jerk reactions, which I think is really, really tempting to do right now. Yeah, you mentioned some, one thing, you know, it takes a level, a certain level of discipline to not just jump to, you know, try and fix everything or, um, you know, one person has a complaint and that relates to everybody. Like, I've definitely been guilty in the past where somebody with a loud voice consistently says something and it's like that starts to get stuck in my head and, you know, one person then turns into, oh, the whole gym thinks this way. Right. And, you know... Luckily, I've, I believe that I've gotten past that. And a lot of times I don't want to say this in like a negative way, but like sometimes we know better than the, the members on what they need and what they should expect right now. Um, and that, I feel like that sounds kind of bad, but it's like, uh, you know, somebody that complains about, you know, they don't like the format of the workouts right now. And it's like, we could we could internally say, okay, you know, maybe there's an issue with the format of the workouts, or we could say, we're in the fucking purple tier of a government <laughs> restriction. Like, what do you expect? Like, this is a much better experience than you're going to get anywhere else. And yes, it may not be the perfect ideal situation, but it is the best that we can do at this moment and is the best that you can get for yourself at this moment. So, um, yeah, I don't know where what my overall point with that was, but... Um, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. It, 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 it's all related to 
you know, it's all related to that first point in the churn that we talked about. And the churn obviously affects the wait list, which is point number two, and all that affects the profit margins, which is point number three. But, you know, where I always bring myself back to is when, whenever we go through, you know, and I did this during the pandemic at the peak of cancellations, peak of holds, and certainly now when, you know, retention is not, not where we ideally hope that it settles or want to see. It's like using that example of 300 people and the 5% churn, like, yeah, you're losing 15 people a month at that, maybe 20, maybe 25 in like a really terrible month. What I think is so easy to forget is that 275 to 285 people are still saying, I love this and I'm not going anywhere. And it's so easy right now to focus on that bare, small, tiny percentage, tiny percentage of people going out the door and and have a knee-jerk reaction. And it's why why the episode was titled, you know, what to do when you don't like your numbers, not like here's how to fix your numbers right away. Yeah. So it's like we've talked about things that we've put in place to, to hopefully give it a nudge in the right direction, you know, with the churn stuff, director member experience, offering a little bit more services. And we're taking that really, really hard look at the price and how that relates to the class wait lists. But maybe history comes back on us in a year and says, you guys just waited way too long to make a decision <laughs> on this. Maybe that happens, yeah. but you know, we've been doing this for 10 years. We feel good about where we are. We do not like these issues that we're having, but we understand them with perspective on what they actually might mean and how the gym is actually doing. So the takeaway for it is you're listening to this as a gym owner. You have probably three or four numbers or things at your gym that you just like terrify you right now or that you don't like or that you're just dying to fix. So it is great that you are aware of that and you're probably not wrong in being worried about that. But with so much of this left to unfold, really try to make those decisions thoughtfully, carefully, base them on data, base the big ones on both data and that built up subjective knowledge that you have about the gym and understand that any number can be fixed. Any number is not going to completely ruin your gym and just having patience with how you assess how you're going to fix it and how you're going to analyze it. Perfectly said. Um, so that was kind of a recap. I don't think we need to do another recap on the on the three things that we talked about. Anything you have to add with uh, pretty much everything that was talked about today? Uh, no, I don't. Excellent. Those are, those are three big things. I'm sure there's, we can nitpick and find more numbers that we're not happy about, but the, you know our focus is on the most important things, and so that's what we're working on. Excellent. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See ya.